Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Sam Phelan. He's our basketball writer at Vandy Sports. And with that, we'll get right into our conversation with Sam. Sam Phelan joins us. He's our basketball writer at VandySports.com. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Hope you are doing well, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me back. I enjoyed it last time. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this, even though it could be under some better circumstances this time around. Yeah, it's been tough lately. I know you've seen some of the games. I know you didn't get a chance to see the Illinois, uh, excuse me, the Loyola of Chicago game due to some personal stuff, but you've seen most of the minutes this year. What's going on with them recently? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a grab bag of things. I really think you could take your pick, Chris. One of the things I wrote after the, uh, the Temple game um, in one of my write-ups was just, I think you could watch eight different games and ask eight different people and you get eight different answers on what kind of seems to be the problem with the offense. Um, anything from kind of a lack of movement, but uh, whatever you really diagnose it as, they're not hitting shots. And, and it seems to be what we're coming back to game in, game out. Is and, and it's what they come back to game in and game out. I feel like every press conference, every, every time we're asking questions, it's the same thing and the same answers. We got to hit shots. We got to get more. We got to get better shots in our sets. Get good looks. Knock down those looks. Um, but they're not, and they haven't, and they haven't since really the the pick game. Um, and it's just been a struggle to have a consistent offense um, on both ends of the floor. And I think you can look at a few things, but it comes down to making shots, and you can't really do much else. It is really surreal to look at the stat sheet and see a Vanderbilt team that's shooting thirty nine point eight percent from the floor and 29.2% from three. Uh, I mean, I know you haven't followed Vanderbilt basketball for a long time, but, I mean, that is the hallmark of that program and has been for probably 60 years. And to see those percentages is just eye-opening. Yeah, and, I mean, they're taking the shot, too. The one thing I also have emphasized a lot is the volume has still been there. And I think that's what's really hurt them, Um throughout a lot of these scoring droughts that they go through in some of these big games is they're putting up the same volume of looks from three. They're, they're taking the same shots. They're just making them at a significantly decreased rate from years prior. And what we're used to seeing out of a, of a pretty efficient offense of years past, it was always, why can't Vanderbilt defend? Why can't they stop anybody? They figured out the defensive end of things. And I mean, the people who they've relied on, to be their biggest scorers and their best shooters from the floor, haven't been able to make anything. Yeah, and I guess the biggest surprise there is Trey Thomas, who shot the ball pretty well a year ago. I want to say 38, 39% from three. He's 16.2 this year. I mean, you take him out, their three-point percentage goes up about 3%. Still not great. But when you're looking at, and I hate to use the word culprits, but you know you can get more out of Trey Thomas than you've got, and that's a place you've got to start. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been extra critical of Trey Thomas um, recently, and I'm hoping he turns it around. He was somebody I was really looking forward to seeing coming into the year um, and, and seeing his development. 
he was one of their better shooters last year. And uh, with, with Disu leaving, you're kind of like really relying on Trey to be consistent from, from three. And it just hasn't been there. Like you said, he's, he's made more than one three pointer in a game, just one time that was against Pitt. And the rest of the time he's been, he's been, bad shooting the ball and for somebody of his size he really doesn't provide much of an interior presence at all he can't really rebound and so if he's not shooting it's just a net negative on everybody on the floor and and his struggles have really I feel like been contagious to the entire group yeah I think what's discouraging is you just look down their strength of schedule right now according to Ken Palm is sitting right at 260 they're five and four and the toughest part of their basketball is about to come. Yeah, uh, I mean, Austin P is a game that they should win coming up here on Saturday. Um, but then after that, you're going straight to a tournament and you're going to see a, a tough slate of games there playing uh, a couple very good teams, potentially going to get matched up with BYU, one of the top teams in the country. Um, and then, of course, SEC play, you know, Going to Arkansas right to start the new year is that's going to be a rude awakening if they can't figure something out quick. Um, but like you said, tough basketball is right around the corner, and they took care of business against a lot of teams they should have beat. Um, but this last stretch here, we said was going to be the most telling stretch of the season with SMU, Temple, and Loyola Chicago, just with how Vanderbilt stacked up this year. Um, and they didn't stack up well. They almost were able to salvage a game against the Temple team, who, by the way, was missing their best player, um, and they should have beaten hands down. But they were almost able to survive uh, that game with a win. But they go 0 for 3 in that stretch, and they look pretty ugly offensively in all three of those games for at least stretches of those games. And I think the moral of the story is we've seen the flashes, but um, it looks like they just might not be able to do it on a consistent enough basis um, until they make some serious changes or get some serious players back from injury. Yeah, and we always keep going back to that, right? Because you can't really talk in complete honesty about this team without mentioning that they're missing Rodney Chapman and Liam Robbins. And I think most people who listen to this podcast know who those guys are and know some things about them. But if you're just dropping in, Robbins led the Big Ten and blocked shots this year, was supposed to be a real force for them in the middle, and Chapman had been a starter at Dayton on that team that in the pandemic year, had the tournament been played, Dayton might have been a one seed. So I guess the thing we're watching is when are they coming back? It sounds to me like Chapman might be back for the Hawaii games. Uh, Robbins, I would say no. I, in fact, I would, I would say... If, they see Robbins mid-January at this point. Um, I would feel that might yeah. be optimistic just reading between the lines. But I guess let's start with Chapman. How big of a difference will that make for them? I mean, the bad thing is they don't need defense as much as they need offense, and Chapman's really a guy who was supposed to help them more on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, um, I, I do think the one thing that he will bring to the offensive offensive end of the floor is um, just somebody who you, is consistent enough to know what you're getting on the perimeter for Scotty. Um, and I, I think Pippen, as you mentioned um, in your last write-up, just needing a secondary option, not necessarily even a scoring threat, but uh, I mean, Pippen said it himself. He thinks he didn't hit shots and um, he said 
that hurts because the less shots we hit, the more they pack the paint and it's working right now. So if you want to clear up more space for them, I just think you need guys that, um, you know, you have to make them think twice. That's something that I've mentioned with Liam Robbins all the time with just his size is making people care and have to put one, sometimes two bodies on them. But I do think Rodney can do a, a little bit of consistent offense where right now, if Scotty's not on the floor, you don't feel good about Trey Thomas and Tyron Lawrence running the offense and defending uh, too. The thing is, with if Scotty's off the floor, Trey Thomas has been having to guard the the best guard on the other team sometimes when the second unit's out there by yourself. So I do think uh, Rodney coming back gives you a little bit of depth there um, and a second option where um, maybe takes a little bit of the pressure off of Scotty and allows Trey to hopefully slide into a more comfortable role than being the on-ball defender and uh, the just straight-up point guard when he's on the floor. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Here's a stat that's disturbing Vanderbilt has 96 assists to 111 turnovers. Scottie Pippen Jr. with 23 to 22. So he's barely just above 1.0. And that's not what you want. That's not what you want from Pippen. That's not what you want from anybody. And I'm looking across the board. Um, you know, Jordan Wright's not handled it really well, which, I mean, that's not what you expect him to do. I can't find, like, one guy that's, like, a really bad culprit, I guess you could say, Shane Dazoni, who's 6-14, to 14, which is probably one reason he's not playing a little bit more than the fact that I've seen him get lost on defense at times. But I, I just look at – and you've talked about ball movement and not making smart passes or extra passes and things like that. And I, I, mean, I remember you just really harped on that after the Temple game, and I think you're right. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Chris, you said after that Temple game – I noted during that game, they got their first assist on their second basket within the first minute of the game. They didn't have another assist until the final minute of regulation. They played over 38 minutes of team basketball without recording an assist for that entire period of time. That's just not acceptable. That's not going to cut it at the Division One level. Definitely not going to cut it in the SEC. Um, and, you know, obviously some of that is, hindered by their inability to make shots you pass the ball down low kick it out not knocking those down is always going to bring down assist numbers but they're also playing too much into isolation another thing that i i just harped on a lot after temple 
they're playing one-on-one basketball on the offensive end of the floor with players that with the exception of Scottie Pippen Jr. really aren't skilled enough to be scoring in these one-on-one sets. So you, you've set up your offense for a bunch of playmakers to make plays, almost like an NBA style offense where you've got these superstars that can cross over, step back, shoot a three, do whatever they want, and just fill up the fill up the basket. That's not the case with Vanderbilt. Scotty is the one guy who can make those contested shots. But other than that, that's why they're not converting on a lot of these looks. And there's only so much you can do when uh, the players don't do the one thing that they're supposed to do, which is make shots, or in the case of Quentin Malore Brown and, and Miles Studi rebound sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's two one-on-one and they're not passing the ball. And when you do that, it just allows for defenses to, to work less. They don't have to think about, you know, switching ends of the court. They don't have to be moving or looking at passing lanes or, or, or crashing the boards as much because they know you're, you're taking the work away from the defense when what you should be doing is trying to add as many dimensions to your offense as possible so that they're always moving and always thinking and it's backwards. Well, you basically said this in so many words the other night. There doesn't seem to really be much of a plan B right now in terms of what else to do. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that's the the struggle too. Is that it's it not only does it look bad, but it there's no adjustment. You know, you cut like one of the things that I I've noticed too that's been frustrating. I mean, look at the SMU game, and you go in with a 12-point halftime lead and a lot of momentum. And immediately after halftime, it was very clear that SMU went into the locker room, made the adjustments, came out, and just torched Vanderbilt. And they had no answer. And they, they didn't even seem like they had begun to think of an answer. You know, if, if Scotty wasn't making the shots, and if they weren't executing from the three-point line, then the offense just didn't go. It just didn't work. And it feels like they've just kind of accepted that at this point and are living with the fact that, hey, if we make shots, we might find success. If we don't, we're just not going to score and we're not going to win. And that's frustrating to be a fan, to to feel like, one, that they're not playing well, and that, two, they're not changing anything. You ready for some questions from the mailbag? Yeah, hit me with them. Okay, our mailbag presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number, 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Some of this is repetitive, but I'll see if you can come up with a different angle to the answer here. Ann Arbordor asks, is VU in a shooting slump? They seem to be taking good shots, but seem to have missed a lot of shots close to the basket and three-pointers. Yeah, I do think they're in a slump, um, and I, I don't think the offense is ran the appropriate way. I don't like some of their sets, and I, I don't like a lot of the looks they get, but it's no question to anybody who's watching Vanderbilt basketball, they are missing a lot of shots that there's really just no excuse to make, and, and that's something that I talked about, too, is I can sit here and, and be upset about the one-on-one looks and criticize Jerry Stackhouse all I want to if guys aren't making some of these open layups if they're not converting at the free throw line I've seen a couple times they pass the ball in for a dunk and guys are just taking too long to go up with it they end up getting blocked and losing the possession if you're not converting on those scoring opportunities that is uh that that's bad and there's nothing really you can do about as a coach but I do think it's a slump that is 
slightly contagious. Um, uh, it's easy to get in your head, especially at the collegiate level um, of being a lot of young guys and, and inexperienced guys when it's not falling and you know in your head it's not falling. It, it's really hard. You start to overthink those easy looks a little bit and you do a little bit more than just go out there and play basketball. Door King asks... Is bad shooting why we keep losing? Can it be fixed? What is your expectation for Vanderbilt's SEC record this year? Oh, man. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, I would say is the answer to is shooting why we keep losing. You know, you have to have to score points to, to win games. Um, and the defense has been good. They, they, they've looked solid overall. They, they've at least played well enough to win. Uh, with the exception of maybe the second half of SMU when they SMU came back with a few good answers to the aggressive trap defense. But at the end of the day, if they were making some more of these shots, I think it would look way different. Can it be fixed? I mean, that's, that's the million dollar question. If I, if I knew how to fix it a hundred percent, I'd probably be the head coach at uh, an SEC school right now. And I think if Jerry Stackhouse knew how to fix it, he would have done so already. Um, I do think it comes back to, to whether, whether Liam Robbins and Rodney Chapman come back from injury. And I say whether because I think it's time to start asking the question if Liam Robbins will play for Vanderbilt this year, um, just as a big man with foot injuries, injury history to a little bit. Um, that can be concerning stuff. But I think if they come back, there is hope for an offense that has a, a more dominant post presence. The floor is more spread and pressure kind of comes off all of these guys who you didn't really expect to have to be a big part of your team that are now stepping up or being forced to try and step up. Um, but if Rodney Chapman and Liam are, are extended absences, it could definitely be a long SEC play because um, as we've seen in the tournament, we've seen through the early stages of this year, there are the SEC is emerging as potentially college basketball's best conference. Um, that's something that hasn't been taken away from the Big Ten in a long time. Uh, but the, the SEC is no joke, and, and they've proven it in their out-of-conference play and the way that they've, the way that they've performed. And Vanderbilt's going to have to go through a gauntlet. Teams like Arkansas, teams like Kentucky, um, LSU, these teams that you're going to have to play at some point, these are not teams that you will ever beat not shooting efficiently. And, and like you said, Chris, it is – it's the staple of Vanderbilt's offense that they rely on the three. And if you're not making them at a significantly more increased rate, it's going to get a lot uglier. I think I've seen just about everybody in the SEC play a little bit this year. And by the way, Ken Palm right now has the league as the third best league behind the Big Ten and the Big 12. Actually, the SEC has lost a little bit of ground in terms of closing the gap in his ratings because it really hasn't played sometimes as well out of conference as you would have liked. Now, Alabama's been holding up its end of the bargain since Thanksgiving, since that loss to Ona. Bama's beaten Gonzaga and Houston, which could both end up as top 10 teams. Florida's notched mm -hmm. a couple wins, but it's it's tailed off. To me, because there's a lot of things that you said in that answer I want to get to, but one of them is in the league. I think that once they get in the league – I think they're probably going to shoot a little bit better, but my concern is athleticism. They're just not going to stack up very well to the top two thirds of the league. Yeah. I, I mean, and you, you like some of the, I mean, you know, that's just been the story. That's Taylor's oldest time kind of with this, with this team is, is they've been able to 
hold their own on occasion when they shoot it particularly well. And when Scotty is, is, you know, doing his thing and he's locked in and there's a few other pieces that have stepped up a little bit this year, but like you just, I can't feel good enough about the way that they've shot the basketball. And then especially considering the variance in size and athleticism that they'll be getting with a lot of these uh, higher end SEC teams to feel like they can give them a competitive game. I do think that uh, just the style of play of Vanderbilt, they could play a competitive half with anybody. We saw that against SMU, you know, the, the big lead at halftime. And I think they can, they can score in a hurry. They can defend in a hurry. One of the benefits of their offense is defense to offense and turnover margins and getting fast break points. Um, and that's great. But I, I'm not sure they've shown that they can play a full game consistently shooting the ball um and like you said if they don't that that difference in size that difference in athleticism um and coaching frankly uh will be a big difference that that is their downfall yeah that's the thing excuse me with Vanderbilt like saying that they are going to have issues with top-level teams in this league with athleticism. That's nothing new. That's been the story, excuse me again, of the program for a long time. But the way that they've overcome it is, A, with shooting, or B, being able to out-scheme. Kevin Stallings used to change little wrinkles in his offense and put in new things and kind of really helped and revived maybe a stale offense, or I don't know if that's the right word, but... He did some things differently, and and I look at those three things right there, and I'm just not really encouraged about where they are with any of those. Now, the SEC record thing, again, I I think that gets back to Chapman and Robbins. I don't know that this is more than a three- or four-win team in the league right now. Uh, The problem is they got two games against Georgia, I thought, coming into the season. You know, that's a chance where they can, can get two right there. And I kind of penciled into, well, Georgia's been a little better than we thought. His upset Memphis uh, has played some other teams pretty well at times. And so there's that. But I think, okay, two things. I think if they get Chapman back, he's probably an upgrade over Tyron Lawrence and can take some of his minutes or maybe at least take some of Trey Thomas's minutes, so they get better there. But question number one, how long does it take him to assimilate and get in the flow of things? It's one thing to come back. It's another thing to come back 100%. And then Robin, same thing, right? If he's back in mid-January, I don't know how long it takes him because I, I look at a guy who on the bench the other night is still in warm-ups wearing a boot, Sam. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, and that's the biggest thing. When I first mentioned it to Stackhouse a few weeks ago, they were in very much hopeful uh, that Liam and Rodney would both be back by SEC play, as you mentioned, uh, still in a boot at this point in time, just not looking like that timetable is realistic at all. I know Rodney's been moving around and getting acclimated a little bit more, but it's a way different speed um, in a game. And, and, and not only a different speed, but different timing of your shots, different rhythms. Um, something else that Stackhouse mentioned just with Trey Thomas and, and those guys trying to get them right is like, yeah, they're coming in for shots, but it's kind of hard to simulate the tempo and the rhythm and the pressure that can sometimes fall on a guy when you're taking that shot in the game. So, um, and then adding on to the fact that just neither of those guys have played 
with this group of players yet. Um, and chemistry is, is important and having, having that chemistry through SEC play. So I do agree with you. Uh, I think, I think Rodney will be a, will be an upgrade over both Trey Thomas and Tyron Lawrence, um, just as a backcourt mate for Scotty. Um, and then the biggest thing with Liam, you'd obviously like Liam to be as healthy as he can be. I do just think his size and, and his, his resume, like just the, the idea of him will be something that benefits them just for, for having to cause trouble down low. Um, Quentin Malore Brown has just not rebounded well and definitely not scored the basketball at the rate that you need a starting center to in the SEC. So they're desperate for, for any sort of change up down low and some help down there. I like the way you put that, the idea of Liam Robbins. You're right, that does change how teams have to scheme them on both ends of the floor. But, man, I've just looked at this. They've got 27 blocked shots this year. Uh, other teams have blocked 37. Again, they have not played a killer schedule. The block rate ranks in 327th in the country. Uh, that that alone tells you how much they need Liam Robbins. Yeah, uh, I mean, and – look at the rebounding numbers. I mean, we saw some kind of weird substitutions uh, going on with the Temple game for a little bit and asked Stackhouse about it. He just said, we didn't rebound the basketball. They went to halftime against Temple with zero rebounds from their starting uh, front court. So that's not good. That's not going to cut it. They went to Jermaine Mann and Taryn Frank a lot down the stretch. Um, and those guys both rebounded pretty well and were good physical forces. Uh, Jermaine's been one of the only consistent offensive players um even though he's not much of a scorer um down there so I, I do think that those guys can do some do some good stuff but again they're just not not starters on this team yet and uh they're desperate for if Liam comes back uh, and you can take some of that some of those minutes away but rely on those guys to be good rebounders coming in too I think you'll have a lot better shot blockers um and definitely better rebounders which has hurt them a lot too is giving up second chance points in, in big time moments last question comes from b3 vandy he says i'm surprised that our team is not winning more games right now jerry seemed to really get the most effort out of last year's team but this year's team seems to be lost what is happening with the chemistry of this team oh man that that's a loaded question um i mean i'm not in the building every day so, I mean, I, I can't tell you what kind of conversations happen closed doors from from talking to the players. I, I I do think that they're bought in. You know, I don't think that that it's a necessarily a effort, lack of effort type of thing. Um, they're definitely trying. Uh, it just kind of isn't going, and it's easy to get discouraged, especially when the it's kind of history repeating itself in a lot of ways for, for a college basketball player. Um, Obviously, they dealt with uh, a lot of the, the transfer stuff earlier. Um, that was not great for team chemistry, but I think getting, getting negative energy out of the building might have helped them a little bit. But at this point, I just think, I think once they get it going, it'll help them a lot. Um, I, think, I, I just think Scotty needs to see somebody else score. Um, I think Jordan needs to see the ball hit the bottom of the net a few times. Um, and I think... Jerry needs to see some of his guys step up. And I think once they get one or two going, um, and I think, I mean, I can't tell you enough how important I think the trip out to Hawaii is going to be. If they're able to take care of business against Austin P and, and 
they can get one or two um, from Hawaii and get a little bit of confidence, I think it'll go a long way to the chemistry. But, you know, you see the same thing going day in and day out. It's the same thing the fans are feeling, the way fans are getting discouraged, fans are getting irritated. Those guys in the locker room, those guys on the quarter are, are feeling the exact same way. You know, why can't we make shots? Um, and once they do, I think it'll definitely pick up and add a little bit of life. But uh, from what I've gathered, I haven't found too many necessarily cultural issues with buying in. Um, but on the court, uh, the product just has kind of brought the energy down a little bit. Sam, appreciate you joining us today. Tell folks where they can follow you on Twitter, please. Yeah, uh, Twitter uh, is Sam underscore Phelan. That's uh, P-H-A-L-E-N for the last name. So I'll be on there tweeting write-ups, uh, live tweeting games if I'm not at the game. So coming up here, um, Austin P. I'll be uh, watching remotely. I'll be tweeting. I'll be writing. I'll be doing all that during the game. So check me out on there. And then for a healthy, toxic dose of Chicago Twitter as well. <laughs> I like it. Hey, Sam, thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrisley70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.